Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Stephen St. John. Nate Bucati, Jake Gutierrez, and former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Borrector. What up, Mark Borrector? How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, good week to be a Kansas City sports fan, huh? Bobby Wood Jr., your thoughts? Uh, I like it. That's right. I it also it. just goes to show you that if a market, it doesn't matter the size of the market, if a team wants to give a guy some money, they can do it. That's exactly right. Right. I'll it's, just throw that out. It's not the size of the boat. It's the motion in the ocean, buddy. I guess, yeah. Okay. That's what Nate always says. What? I'm, World uh, Cup announcement also, right? No, you can't say I nothing. Don't, I got no comment. <laughs> Did you see that? I'm just saying it's big sports week. I got to say, I got to say, Mark, I like your style. Did you see that? Uh, the, I wouldn't have brought the, it up if right. I knew you could actually talk about it. <laughs> Did you see that there's a quarter, uh, a quarterfinal match that's going to be? In Kansas City, what's the significance of that? You think? I wish someone could talk to us about that. This is uh, this is actually awesome because I'm going to get yeah. more talk about certain right. things that I ne- usually never get. Yeah, but from now you guys, you can't say anything. About I can't it. say yeah, nothing. That's right. But, Moving on. You know. uh, too bad. <laughs> if you don't know why this oh, is, oh, this makes me think of an analogy that I Nate can't say on the radio. New Katie <sighs> had a bet with Shane Summers uh, after losing his Kansas Kansas State football bet. Nate. Uh, Dipped his toe back in the water, uh, felt more comfortable with basketball, but even though it was in the octagon of doom, felt real good when Kansas was up 11 in the second half, and then felt real bad in overtime, and he lost his bet, and because he lost his bet, he is not allowed to speak of soccer for the entire week on the show, even if he's prompted. He can't mention it, he can't say it, he can think about it, which I'm sure he is right now, he's starting to sweat feverishly. So let's get into the Mark Borich. We don't want you to wait for what you came here for. Let's play Todd Lebo's conversation with McCall Hartman. Uh, And I don't look, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be. I haven't uh, heard this one, by the way. An unsung hero. Um, I mean, like last year in the the Super Bowl, Kadarius Tony ended up being one of the heroes, right, with that punt return. Right? It was was a huge game changing play. Last week. One of the heroes we didn't expect, MVS, made the game ceiling catch uh, in the championship game, and and maybe it's going to be a defensive player. Maybe it's going to be King Felix that comes in and has a sack and a strip after being inactive uh, in the postseason. Maybe Nick Bolton scored another touchdown. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe McCall Harmon makes a big play. He only had one snap in the championship game, so it's kind of hard to capitalize on one snap. But you never know. Here's Todd Lebo. As uh, instructed for Mark Bullrichter, approaching McCole Hardman at Media Day. Nicole, this, this last year for you, you know, you were hurt last year, trying to get ready to play in this game, and couldn't couldn't quite get there. Then you were gone, and now you're back. Can you just encapsulate what this 12 months has been like for you? Man, it's, it's been real hectic, man. Um, I, you know, you know, thank God for actually getting me back here to you know actually be healthy now and, and be able to actually play this game again. You know, uh, those 12 months uh, been hospitalized. You know, trying to get back from an injury, go to a team, still hurt, still trying to recover, and um, you know, the injury took longer than what it expected. And, um, so, but good to be back healthy there, man, and back in this game, getting a chance to play, and, and you know, and have the opportunity, you know, to, to win another ring. 
and I think we all saw uh, Travis on his podcast say he owed you a car for not blocking the guy oh, when he fumbled. Did you get a car? What's up? Is that just talking nah. on the podcast? No, nah, no. Nah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not looking no car. I wouldn't accept no car from him, man. You know, I think I think that play. Everybody take it out of you know proportion, man. You know, I'm on the goal line. I'm trying to score. Um, I think it's just a hands up play of you know trying to get in the end zone. I was right there. Um, and Travis ain't missed a block, but you know I could have just kept the ball in and, and we could did another play from the one. You know, it's, it's things like that. But nah, I, I would like a car though. Might I ask him about that? Nah, he said it. Yeah. Millions of people watch the podcast. I might ask him. I might ask him. Nah, but nah, I, I'm not looking for it, though. Um, you know, he, he's doing his job. I, I could do my job to get back. What's the biggest keys you guys have as you got your prep ready for the Niners? Oh, uh, you know, I got a solid defense. Speaking for the offensive side, you know, I got a real solid defense, a good pass rush, um, good group of linebackers back in solid as well. So, things that I go in there, execute that plan, man, and, and don't make the minimal mistakes and, 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 um, and beat ourselves. You go in there and, you know, take a plan of time and um, go from there. You scored three times. Touchdowns against him last year. I yeah, I did. What do you mean by that game? It was, it was a good game. You know, three for three on that game. Uh, so definitely a memory for that. I appreciate sure remember that as well too. So they probably have a plan for it as well. Um, but other than that, I'm just going out there, man. One number call, make a play. Mark Bora, do your thoughts? <laughs> I don't. I don't really have any thoughts. I guess. Um, <clears throat> look, there. I, I've said this before on the show multiple times, and leading up into the postseason, like. This team is going to have to have somebody else step up and make a play, right? We've talked about this receiving core a, long, a lot, and it doesn't need to be, you know, McCall Harmon or MVS all of a sudden having four or five catches in this game on Sunday. It's when your number's called, just make the play you're supposed to make. And we all know, I think at this point, that it's going to be Isaiah Pacheco, it's going to be Travis Kelsey, it's going to be Rasheed Rice, you know, where the focus of of the touches and this offense goes, and then you're going to need guys like Noah Gray, MBS, maybe McCole Hardman, you know, yeah, no, whoever, may, whoever, may, whoever that may be. May I nominate someone? I don't know. May you, depending so, on. But I don't know if they're if they're doing this just to give the 49ers someone else Jared to prepare McKinnon. for. Jerry McKinnon. Yeah. If, if he's active. Couldn't you see him having a couple of big catches or a couple of big plays? I, yes, if he's active. In fact, I got a text from uh, a contributor on this show, very handsome man Who's that? over the weekend. One of the best-looking dudes in Kansas City. Well, it's been on here before. Little basketball guy. you know, Jared little Sutton? Mizzou. Yeah, little oh. Mizzou guy. Oh, right? boy, yeah. Yeah, he is quite handsome. He is. Uh, asking me this question over the weekend. And, you know, I... I think a little bit of it is smoke and mirrors right now. This is just my personal thoughts. Um, based on the type of injury he supposedly had uh, on that. But he is act. I mean, he's eligible to come back. And so if they think that he can help them, then he will be active on Sunday. Uh, if he is able to go, we've seen in years past with him what he's been able to do down the stretch. He's a very smart player terms of pass protection but he also is is a factor in the screen game and the passing game right outside of just pass protection so i think it's a situation with mckinnon that if he's able to to go this week and they feel comfortable with it i could see him playing but i a lot of this you know is the gamesmanship that goes on leading up to this week uh all of a sudden, Kadarius Tony's back on the practice field, right, this past week and a half. Um, 
Joe Tooney's just kind of day to day. Nobody really knows, you know, what that looks like. Uh, the 49ers are complaining about their field being too soft. Like, all these different things come into play this week that are magnified even more just because of the the uh, the scope of this game. All right, so uh, you brought it up. What do you what do you make as a as a former you know NFL player competitor all that? What do you make of the 49ers practice field situation? Uh, I think this is a it's a weird deal. Um, you know. Anytime you're away from your own facility, you know, and things, it's it's not going to be familiar to you. Number one, this this goes on every single Super Bowl. When I say it goes on, like who practices where, okay, um, based on if you're the home team, which rotates every other year between the, the two conferences, um, whoever gets that home facility, et cetera, right? Like that's how it goes. Um, so this is normal. Uh, I find it odd that they're complaining about, first of all, I didn't know you could grade the level of softness or hardness of a field. I mean, I know you can, but I didn't realize there's a preference for it in certain cases. Is it a spongy? Yeah. Uh, uh, part of that's because they rolled over sod over top of, of turf, you know. Um, it's Look, it is what it is. Just go practice. Like, in, If you don't like it, then practice on the turf. And nobody's going to want to do that now this time of year either. But I think it's getting – part of me, to be honest with you, thinks this is getting blown up further than what it needs to be. And, you know, the Niners and some of their officials may not like it, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's really going to matter that much to the, to the players. Just, you know, you're, you're going out and practicing. I also think this is the – when you look at motivation for a game, right – We've talked about this with bulletin board material, all these different things. It's all gamesmanship, and it's all how do you get yourself motivated for it. We've talked about this with Patrick Mahomes, right? You don't want to be Justin Tucker poking the bear of him and Kelsey down there, right, like they did in the AFC Championship game. You know, the best competitors and the most competitive guys find any kind of edge to, to motivate themselves. Whether it was some guy said something about him, uh, a guy was drafted ahead of them, taken ahead of them, whether it's they're giving us the worst facilities out of all this and we're in the Super Bowl, you know. Go back to – I'll just – to give another example of that, you go back to the Georgia Bulldogs two years ago winning the national title, right? They were back-to-back national t- champions. And every interview you heard leading up to that game and that, that college cha- football championship game was nobody gave us any respect all year, all these different things, you know, and you're like, you would won like 17 straight games. Like, what do we- – what, what do you mean nobody's giving you the respect? Any kind of slight or edge that you feel, whatever gets you motivated. Some guys could care less about any of that stuff, right, like from a player perspective. But any little edge to get you going. The gamesmanship, too, like with Bosa, you know, what do you think of their two tackles? Will they hold a lot? You know, that's a message. Like, we're shooting this message to the to the officials, like, hey, watch these guys. If you don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to, you know, in the pregame meeting talk to those officials about – Juwan Taylor lining up in the backfield. You know, like all the things that have happened this year, like that's all going to come back out again, right? And so, again, the magnitude of this game being the Super Bowl, it's it's just all gamesmanship is what I see. All right, what about the Chiefs, on the other hand? Uh, players wanting to practice in pads yeah. and wanting to practice outside in the rain. I mean, I, 
and maybe we're making too much of it, but you got one team bitching about everything, and the other team asking the coaches and say, "Hey, we want to play. We want to practice in pads. We want to be out in the rain. We want to. We want to roll." I mean, it just I don't know. It just seems like one team is there, focused on the game and understanding what they need to do to prepare themselves for Sunday, and the other team is 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 they're kind of all over the place. Yeah, I, I part of that is you know. They want to practice on grass, so they're going to go outside. Andy Reid's always going to. Andy Reid wants to practice in the elements as much as possible. Now, when I, as I say that, I understand where they're playing. Okay, inside. All right. So before anybody's like, you realize they're you know playing inside. <laughs> Just call me the Tampa reporter, uh, asking the question, right? <laughs> but but putting the pads on this time of year, I don't think it's as big of a deal as people are making it out to. Where I do think it's an important deal, though, is this: is that. With the new rules, I say new, but these have been in place for several years now, there's only a certain amount of padded practices you can have throughout the course of the season, right? And then that changes a little bit in the postseason. But I think it's important for offensive linemen and defensive linemen to be able to practice in pads. And, you know, there's only a certain amount of hitting that they're going to be doing, right, as a part of that. But it's getting used to that contact, your hand placement against somebody else's shoulder pads that you just can't replicate if you don't have that on. And, you know, I think it's it's a statement practice. I think this is not something new to Andy Reid. Uh, again, I don't think it's a whole lot of news to us here. I think it's being magnified a little bit more. But I think it does show that, to your question and point, Stephen, that this, this team is focused and ready to go. And, you know, a lot has been made about Mahomes being an underdog throughout the course of these playoffs. Obviously, they had a first home playoff game wild card weekend. But then they've gone on the road to places where all the pressure is on other teams. And I still feel that way today about this Chiefs team, even though they're defending Super Bowl champions, that the narrative is still out there a little bit that this is a down year, right? And they're still in the Super Bowl. And quite frankly, when you look at the Niners on things, I think the pressure is all on them. I, I really do. Um, I just you can ch- chalk it up to experience obviously the Niners won the NFC championship a game a year ago they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Chiefs obviously in in 2020 the, the 2019 season but but there's not a lot of guys left on the rosters right from either of those two teams so as a whole so two completely different teams than, than back then but again I I but feel like, guys, the, I feel like some... the pressure's on them because it's it's in that situation. If the Chiefs win this game, everybody's like, man, how are we going to be? You know, they just ran through the AFC again, and then they just won the Super Bowl again. The, the biggest names on that 49ers team are still the same outside of the quarterback. You yeah. know, like the biggest names on that defense, the coach, some of the big names on offense. McCaffrey's different, but there's there's some, there's enough guys that remember it. Um all right, so you, you mentioned how focused and ready this team is. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and ask it because – I got a text from our buddy Lorenzo Butler about this two days ago. I'm sure you guys have gotten texts and people asking you about it. When I was at my son's basketball game yesterday, the two dads I was sitting next to brought this up right away. The situation with Pat's dad. Um, and one of the dads said to me right away, this isn't going to be like what happened with, with Big Red when the – you know, with his family and the game that happened in the Super Bowl last time around. You know, is is this – Mahomes was asked about it yesterday. He handled it perfectly, said it's a family matter. I'm just going to leave it at that. So he's not talking about it, but he's a human being. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to be an issue or a distraction for Patrick Mahomes or the team at all? Uh, I don't. Um, 
I think they're two different situations. Very right? different. Very, and they're very different, too. Number one, you know, the situation with Britt Reed, you know, number one, he was a coach. Yep. Right? A part of the organization. Um, you know, there were other factors involved with all of that um, around that whole piece of what happened at the facility, whatever, right, type of thing. Um, so I think they're two different situations. But I also think when you look at it, that Patrick Mahomes has had to deal with a lot of distractions anyway on things. Yep. And there's more distractions this week happening around all the media appearances you have to do the last few weeks, all the promo videos you got to shoot, all everybody tugging at you for, for different things that I don't see that being an issue for him or a distraction to this team. And they got through the big media night last night, right, in regards mm-hmm. to it. Uh, he answered it about as good as you can. Yep. But I think that you're looking at this and saying, this this team has been here before, right? This is the fourth time that, that they've been there. And so that he's been there. They know how to handle this uh, and handle this type of situation. So I, I don't see it being that much of a distraction because I just think there's so many other distractions that could be going on anyway. And like you said, Mahomes Mahomes has had to deal with distractions yeah. before, and he seems to just have this amazing ability to... I don't want to call him Teflon, but it feels like he, there's this, this ability just to just focuses. be nonstick and understand yeah. it's there, but at the same time, focus on what needs to be done with his job at the moment. We have the former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Borichter in the studio talking about the Chiefs at media night last night, opening night of uh, Super Bowl week, getting ready to take on the San Francisco 49ers um, on Sunday in the Super Bowl. Okay, so we talked to you so much about the uh, the Chiefs wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the 49ers wide receivers, specifically the two stars in Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk. Um, what, what, what makes them special, and what are the challenges that the Chiefs are going to have? And it's going to be great to watch because the Chiefs have the best cornerback uh, tandem in uh, in football. But these uh, uh, these two receivers have a unique set of skills that kind of set them apart. Well, they do. You know, Brandon Ayuk's a big play type receiver. Um, really enjoy watching him play. Sweetheart, he's a really good player. Debo Samuel is is really a dual threat. You know, he's he's the guy that – and I know Christian McCaffrey, everything kind of runs through this offense through him with their running game because he can catch the ball out of the backfield, creates, you know, a dual threat also from the running back position. But, but um, you know, Debo Samuel's the one that's a big physical guy that they can just do so many things with. And when you have a guy like that that fits into their scheme of their offense with how much they use shifts and motions – the play-action pass game, you have to respect every single time that Debo's in a motion or that he's lined up in the backfield or whatever that may be because he's a legit threat to carry the football for them and he's a legit threat to catch it, whether it's out of the backfield or lined up at wide receiver. Then you factor in, you know, one of the greatest tight ends that's playing the game right now and George Kittle, most complete players. Uh, they got a ton of weapons on offense. They've done a great job of surrounding Brock Purdy with all these weapons. Uh a lot's been made about Brock Purdy being a system quarterback. I think the system helps him, but he's a pretty darn good player, okay, on stuff. Now, just like I've talked about the Miami Dolphins system, they, they have to play – their offense has to play on schedule a lot, and most offenses need to play on schedule. 
But when you run that play-action pass game and do everything there, if you get thrown off of, of, I don't want to call it your script, but thrown off a schedule with plays, that's when you can really attack that offense and be successful defensively. And that's why I leave it up to Steve Spagnuolo to pressure Brock Purdy. Um, the defensive line for the Chiefs is going to have to play really well. I think they've got an advantage there outside of you know going against Trent Williams at the left tackle position, who's a Hall of Fame caliber player. Um, but this receiving core and weapons scare me. They do. And I think any other year, though, if the, we were talking about this game, I wouldn't feel as comfortable just because of how well the Chiefs secondary has played all year round. They, they have matched every single challenge of weapons and playmakers on the other side of the ball all year long. And I would expect that to happen again this week. Who scares you the most? Based on, uh, and we'll leave McCaffrey out of it, just as far as the pass catchers between Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle. Uh, I think George Kittle, to me, because I just don't know what Spags' plan is going to be for that, right? It, it's been with these other, like I know Edwards played a week ago, um, you know, for the Ravens and stuff. But you Willie just, Gay's back. Yeah, Willie Gay's back. But my, my question there is, who do they match up on him, right? Because they love to play a lot of man defense and match, a lot of match zone stuff, which becomes, it's a zone defense, but it comes man-to-man and running with guys. So what do the Niners try to do to get him matched up in a favorable, what they consider a favorable matchup? Just because of his physicality. That's the big thing for me. Um, and he's got speed. You know, Mark Andrews in Baltimore – is a different type of player, a big physical guy, but not not near as fast as George Kittle. You know that that's the thing that he prevents. Uh, he provides a unique matchup, and then I know a lot's been made about this, but he's a really good blocker at the point of attack, which makes their play action passing game with him, um, you know, scary as well. So one of the things about the matchup too, like the thing you mentioned that uh, you know Samuels is a threat because he can run, he can catch. He's he's so I mean he's Debo. He got the nickname because yeah. he's he's like Debo from Friday. He's 215 pounds and Legarius well, Sneed plays very physically, but he's 192 pounds. McDuffie's not the biggest guy either. D- does that do you think that's an issue at all that them tra- having to tackle guys like Ayuk and 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 Samuel or are they have they shown enough to you physically that they're up for it for a game like this. This, you know? this Chiefs defense is up for it. They're, they're not shy away from contact, yeah. right? Like, I, I was critical. I said the one thing after the Buffalo game. I thought the one thing I was a little more critical about this defense was I didn't think they played as physical yeah. as they have all year. I think they'll be ready to come and play in this game. I really do. I think, you know, a week ago, they were or, or two, weeks, Ravens, right? two weeks ago, I guess yeah. now, uh, against the Ravens, they had to come out and be physical, and they were. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other part of this that – the physicality of the secondary, it doesn't just extend to the passing game. It's in the running game, yeah. right? And that's, that's the part to me that that if they come and, and, and lay the wood this week like they should on stuff, they, they're, they're going to be in a good spot. Um, Willie Gay coming back is big. Uh, obviously, Charles Menehue being out with the torn ACL is a, is a huge loss, I think, for this defense in the pass rush situation. So, you know, I'm comfortable with Mike Dana being in there. He's had a tremendous year. Uh, been a great player for this team this year. And then, you know, if Felix is active on Sunday, he's going to have to probably make some plays in limited snaps. And so, you know, they're going to, you're going to, it's a time of year. You're going to have to get contributions from guys that, that you may not have all season long or small role playing contributions, right? Can you make just a play or two when you, when your team needs to? And if you do, then you'll be walking out with the Lombardi trophy. 
Uh, we've got Mark Bowrichter in studio back after this on WHP. You know, there's a certain tier of teams in the NFL that have gone back-to-back, and I've been on a mission ever since I won my first Super Bowl. Uh, we we made it back to, to the Super Bowl the year after 2019, obviously lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's motivated me to get back to this point right here. You'll hear me say this a lot, but I want this one more than I've ever wanted a Super Bowl in my life, and it's because of the type of team we have, the people that we have in this thing, but also because that tier of teams that have done it twice have uh, gone down in history as some of the greats. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Now, I don't think I've said this in any other Super Bowl that the Chiefs have participated in uh, because I really didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel this way. Um, but I, I think there's a distinct possibility that in the second half, this game gets away from the 49ers. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs win by 10 to 17 points, more like 14 to 17, because they can't handle the Chiefs' blitz. Uh, Purdy turns the ball over a couple of times. And and their inability to get to Patrick Mahomes will allow him to, I'm going to say, to get shred that secondary. And maybe I'm putting too much into what I saw from them against the Packers and them against the Lions, but... They won't be able to protect him against the way Spags blitzes and the creativity. And and, and we go back to this, and, and you can elaborate on this. They have so many guys at, at all three levels that are good at blitzing. And it's not just, yeah. you know, um, the, their athleticism. It's the timing of it, right? It's the design from Spags. But think about the different guys in the secondary who are good at, at blitzing, like Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed, even Justin Reed's yeah. shown the ability. Drew Tranquil is a hell of a pass rusher. You know, we've seen Willie Gay at times, so he's got that closing speed. And then, of course, Chris Jones and George Karloftis. Um, I just think that's going to over, overwhelm, at some point, the 49ers' ability to protect Purdy that will force him into some, you know, a turnover or two. And I think that uh, the Chiefs, if... And we think they can't if they can protect Mahomes um, outside of Traverius Ward. I think there's some there's some weakness uh, there's some weak spots in that secondary that he's going to be able to pick on. There certainly is. Let's start with the defensive side. And you brought this up in regards to the secondary, and I will elaborate on it. It is a rarity to have as many guys as they do who can come off a blitz in the secondary and be effective with it. Right? It's not just we're going to do this every once in a while with this guy just to show the look. Um, every one of those guys is a threat to get to the quarterback. Sometimes he's wide open on a, you know, based on where they're bringing him from. It allows C. Spagnuolo to be flexible. Most teams have some tendencies when you start bringing secondary blitzes, right, that you can pick up and go, okay, we know it's one of these two guys that are coming. You don't know that with the Chiefs defense. And you know, I've heard some comments from Steve Spagnuolo in regards to that about how, this has been the smartest defense he's had in a long time. Like, the guys are able to be a sponge to the volume of of what he wants to do, which allows him to be more flexible with that. And they can plug and play. You know, it's not just a safety blitz. It's not just one secondary guy coming from the nickel on a blitz. They can do so many different things and be multiple defensively. Now, the key to that for me in this week is really kind of the defensive tackles. Can they hold up in the run game? Because 
We saw this two weeks ago when the Ravens abandoned the run game. If they, the Chiefs can make the Niners more one-dimensional, again, like I said before, get them off schedule, you can now start really pinning your ears back and coming after Brock Purdy uh, on that. I'm in agreement with you, Stephen. I, I think this game could could turn into a situation where the Niners turn it over a couple of times and the Chiefs just run away with this thing. Because Mahomes is playing such mistake-free football. You know, this is this, this is the longest streak yeah. of 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 uh, games in the postseason for a quarterback not to throw an interception. It is. That just kind of snuck and, up and it on also us. wouldn't surprise me if he throws one on Sunday. <laughs> you know, type of thing. And I don't think anybody should panic. Damn it, Mark. I I will say this. I do think that the 49ers defense is good. Their front seven is their strength. They they are weaker in the secondary, and that's been exposed over the last couple of weeks in the playoffs for them. And their defense isn't better than the Ravens. No, no, no. And I think quite. I mean, I know statistically their defense has pretty, been pretty good, but I think I do think this is now the Bills' defense was had a bunch of injuries and different things too. But I, I think this is this is a great matchup for the Chiefs' offense against this Niners' defense because the offensive line has been playing pretty well right now, giving Patrick Mahomes a lot of time to throw the football. He's made smart decisions with it, moving within the pocket. Okay, up in the pocket in certain situations to make some plays. Has moved outside the pocket. He's played extremely smart. Hasn't tried to force the ball down the field. But this Niners secondary, like Jordan Love, obviously is a really good player, but the Packers shredded them. Absolutely shredded them. And that, to me, is a tape that you look at and say, okay, this is this is something that, that they could really do well. And then I also think, too, when you look at somewhat of a blueprint – where the Chiefs played the Niners a year ago. They did a lot of motions and different things to make Bosa uncomfortable, make him think guys were going to chip him, block him in the run game, also in the passing game, just to slow him up just a tad. Remember the game that Cole Harmon had? Yeah, and the Lions did a lot of that in the first half uh, in the NFC Championship game. The Lions did a lot of that. And, and they got Chase Young on the other side. You know, there's a lot of names there, right? Like a lot of names. There are really good players, but... I just think that that when you have the ability, if, if they can give Patrick Mahomes some time, and I know a lot's been made about the receivers getting open and things, but th- they will find a way to to shred the secondary up. Yeah, the, the other guy that, that deserves, I mean, an unbelievable amount of praise because you talk about some of those guys in the secondary being multiple and how, how they could do everything. We talked about this. We were all in agreement when they signed him, how what a good signing it was. But I think we might have even underappreciated how good he was. Drew Tranquil could do everything. Yes, yeah, like yeah. what? Like what can't he do? He's good in coverage. He's good against a run. He's good as a pass rusher. He lets you do so many more things because he can do everything. He's not flashy, right? He's not flashy and uber dynamic, but he just gets the job done. You know, he is. He's the quintessential, and I don't want to call him a, just a role player, right? But he is the quintessential. Like respectable, um, salaried guy that is kind of your glue guy, right? If you look at it that way, for their defense, when when Nick Bolton was out, who steps in to start? He does. He's like the Chiefs' Ben Zobrist. Yes, yeah, that's wow, that's, man, that's, a, that's a great call. That, that is actually that's man. a great. Yeah, he's Let's out. Get out of that's here. Out. You're not going to make any better that's point ex- today than that. That is that is exactly <laughs> it. That's where I was trying to go. With. He's man, the guy great. that. That can do second base, left field. Yeah, you know <laughs> he's the guy that can do. Uh, uh, you know, well, the Royals have a lot of those guys right now, but none of them can do actually that, right? Oh, like, yeah. but wow. <laughs> to, to that extent. 
But but he's Drew Trenkle's a guy that he's he's solid in every. My point is he's solid in everything that he does. He is solid and he's a smart player. He plays with energy, and he too, plays though, with energy. You know? Yes, and that, it's not just being okay. This is a smart player. He plays with energy. He plays with the physicality yeah, uh, of things. And I'll just say this too: like when you, even as a teammate of a guy like that, okay, not just a coach, but as a teammate of a guy like that, that you know, okay, I know my role in this team is I'm going to play, you know, half to sixty to seventy percent of the snaps. That's what he's. That's where he's at. But if one of our other guys goes down, I know he's going to step in, and we're not going to miss a beat. Yeah, because he's going to know what to do. He's a smart veteran player, and he, again, he can go make plays. And I'm glad you brought him up. He's in some ways he's kind of been the un- unsung hero to me of this defense. Heck yeah, he, he's Which, he seems like kind of a red ass too. Well, I, mean, I, I also say this like in a I, good way. I mean, I just but, labeled him as that quintessential glue guy, right? Yeah. That's smart. That's not uber dynamic, and yeah. he's obviously very athletic in different things, but. Like, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Because it's like, he's a much better player than people give him credit for, mm-hmm. right, on a, on, a, on a large scale. Yeah. So you're kind of going to have that chip on your shoulder. Like, I, I I like Leo Chanel as a player, okay? I'll say this. But, but he can't move laterally, right? He's very stiff, okay? But he's a really good player for this defense. He's got a role on this defense, right? Drew Tranquil is the opposite of that. Like, Drew Tranquil can do everything. Like, I was laughing hysterically to myself when Tracy Wolfson and the AFC Championship game, they talked about Willie Gay being out, and I was like, they're probably going to go with Leo Chanel as a spy on Lamar Jackson. And I was like, if we do that, we're screwed. Like, there's no way at all that this is going to be successful. And they really they didn't use him as that, obviously. It's because he doesn't move well laterally. and But he's a run stuff and different. But Drew Tranquil is at a different level than Leo Chanel just because athletically, that's just how it is. But I think both those guys are really good role players on this team, but Drew Tranquil has the flexibility to do whatever they need him to do. You know, uh, in defense of Leo, when we found out about the Bobby Witt extension, we were all very stiff also yesterday. We just <laughs> had trouble moving laterally as well. And something else about Tranquil. Don't you think it's important... Because we, we, we all rave about the Chiefs' experience factor, been there, done that, they're laser-like focused, they know what, what it takes to go through this, they're not going to be phased by anything. But don't you think it's important every year for a team like this, because the Patriots did this, and you start to see the Chiefs do this, to add a veteran or veterans like Drew Tranquil. Mike Edwards. Right. But, but Tranquil stands out to me because he appreciates this so much. Yeah. Because he was... In a, in a living train wreck with the Chargers. The, the definition of a team that got the least amount out of their talent. They got the least amount out of their elite quarterback. A team that did not believe in their coach or the coaching staff. That didn't buy in. And then he goes to the polar opposite. And I remember listening to his comments talking about what it's like to be in an Andy Reid training camp and how it's different to be with the Chiefs and, and this culture. To have a, and that he hasn't won yet. Mm-hmm. And so he has that desperation yeah. and he has that appreciation for the culture and what this means. I think it's important that, to add that juice every year. And I think he really brings that. And, and those other linebackers don't know any different. They, they, all they've ever known is playing for the Chiefs. Right. So they don't have that perspective on how... It's an appreciation. You yeah. don't necessarily understand how good it is until, you know, you're somewhere new. Right? It, it's it's kind of why, like, you look at some other franchises around the league that have not had success on a consistent basis, right? Or consistently bad. 
Right? Every three years, there's a new head coach. Mm-hmm. It's because they, there's no culture, right? right? And and it, it takes time to build culture. It does. But Andy Reid came in here with instant credibility when Clark Hunt went out and got him. And he's not only provided stability and culture through that piece, they found good leaders along the way. Uh, and a Patrick Mahomes and a Travis Kelsey, right? Like those type of guys. And then... You know, you can take some flyers on some other guys and fit them all in because you need to have that happen in the National Football League. But then you get go out and make, you know, some free agency moves, like getting a Drew Tranquil that we're talking about. Mike Edwards was, was with Tampa before, and Donovan Smith was as well. But you get guys and bring them into this culture, and then if you're Drew Tranquil, who has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder that we just talked about, and he realizes, wow, like this is what it really – no wonder they're successful here. You know, it's an easy – if you're humble enough as a player, which Drew Tranquil is, I believe, right, to come in here and go, okay, I can be an impact player for this team, but also I'm going to immerse myself in this culture and appreciate why I'm here, and then all i got to do is go to work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> all i got to do is show up and go to work. Like, the rest of it will take care of itself for you. And that's that's what that's why I continue to say, too, that we are spoiled as Chiefs fans in this town, especially during the Patrick Mahomes era. Number one, you got the best quarterback on the planet, right? That worked out for you. It could have easily gone the other way when I say that, right? It could have been a bust. Um, and I think the, the factor of Andy Reid and him being together certainly helps all that. That being said, like, we're spoiled here. We're, we're witnessing absolute greatness, and they have a golden opportunity on Sunday – that two months ago a lot of people in this town didn't think was ever going to happen, right, to even have this opportunity this year. And so you got an opportunity to go back-to-back, which not a lot of teams have done, and, you know, basically win your third Super Bowl in five years. That's, that's pretty impressive. We'll be right back after this on WHP. Welcome back to the show. We've got Mark Richter and Todd Lebo live from Radio Row in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello, Todd. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I've got our setup here. I was in the hotel room before when I was on with you, but now I'm down here at our beautiful setup. Now you got clothes on. Here's the deal. No, I was clothed before mostly. Okay. Well, uh, you know when you're when you're uh, from the city that where the Super Bowl team was, they give you a pretty good spot. It's a pretty good spot. We're right here. We're on Main Street. You walk through this, baby. We're good to go. You see any? Uh, is, is 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 there any action right now in Radio Row at all? Yeah, when I see a Houston station, I see a Dallas station. They're broadcasting live. I see. Um, I see. What is this one? You know, everything's called a ticket, or a or a yeah. uh, or a the game. Several tickets. The There's sports the animals. Some tickets. The score. Sports leader. I see here. I see a, a Vegas channel. I walk by the empty Las Vegas Raiders superstore in the middle. <laughs> 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 they, they keep the trophies in the back. <laughs> oh, it's like the. Uh, Dallas Love Field, you know, because I've traveled quite a bit lately, right, at the at the airport mm-hmm. in Dallas. Nate, you've probably been through there a few times. A few too. times. Like you, there's a Dallas Cowboys or a Dallas sports store in there. It's like yeah. all Rangers gear right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, winners. Winners win, right? That's right. That's what it is. But this is a, a pretty nice setup here. Once you get here, I'm not going to complain. I know Mark's going to tell me uh, what, what's the what's your ocean saying that you told me during the well, earlier. Well, for those that don't know, when I first got here today, Jake was talking to Todd, and Todd was I overheard I was Todd lamenting 
something about the process of doing stuff, and I said, "Don't tell me how rocky the sea is, man. Just bring the damn ship in." That's right. Yeah. So we're, br- we're captain the, the ship in. and bring it in. Let's go. But it is, uh, it is, Stephen. You would love this. You remember how far we walked the first day we got to yes, Southeast? Yes, I do. This was similar to that, mostly indoors, though, so it was a little bit better. But uh, you have to walk, I don't know, 17 miles inside all this casino stuff, convention center, to go to pick your pass up. And then you walk right past the door where Radio Row is, backtrack about, uh, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of yards to go through security to come back up. And then you walk across this hallway, and they just they just open this little rope to let you in. It's like, I guess it's secure. I don't know. I've got a different colored uh, little uh, little. Uh, banner thing or whatever, the sticker, you know, the little, little ribbon loop on my bag now. But I've been told, do not leave Radio Row to get food because you'll have to do the whole same thing again. So wow. I don't know. They've got some snacks around. There's do coffee. You, what else uh, do I need, buddy? Do you, do you have any idea of any celebrities or big-time guests that will be walking around Radio Row today? Well... I don't know all of that. I know Clark Hunt is scheduled to be here on Radio Row with us, and that'll be in the 1 o'clock hour for Jason Anderson on The Zone. Is he a celebrity? Why not? Well, sure. I don't know. Did you see the picture I took? They posted on our social media of Clark Hunt and Mark Davis talking uh, on the floor of opening night last night. I think the whole conversation had to be about haircuts. It had to be. Because that's maybe maybe some of the best hair for a guy who's like, you know, about 60, and then it's just some of the worst hair for anyone of any age. And Mark Davis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was nice. So we'll have Clark Hunt here, um, and we're going to have lots of other things, too. So I don't know them all. Chad knows some of them. Todd, you know, Todd, you, I got a question for Todd. Are you staying yeah. at uh, Vegas's nicest hotels that they're putting the media in out there in the uh, Luxor and the Excalibur? I'm in the Luxor. There are some people in the yeah. Excalibur. Which is right across Vegas' finest hotels, by the way, for the media. Well, I think the I think the finest one is across the street called the Tropicana that they're going to tear down apparently to put a baseball stadium that apparently no one wants. Hmm. I was on the bus with a with a Las Vegas local writer last night. He's yeah. I said where are they putting that? He goes right there where the Trop is. And he goes, it's the team that no one wants. I said, oh great, that sounds like fun. Enjoy the team. (laughs) So, but that's going to be right on the strip apparently, like where Tropicana is across the street from Excalibur. And they're going to tear that down, and they're going to build a baseball stadium right there. So, there you go. So, what do you uh, what do you think of the commissioner's announcement that uh, the NFL is going to Brazil now? Well, we knew that was going to happen. Um, Philly's going to do it, I guess. That's yeah, we the know deal. Who's but doing here, it now? The Eagles, here's the good right? deal: the, the the Chiefs aren't playing Philly next year. So By the way, them. I, Chiefs won't have to go to an international game next year. Real, real close to a soccer comment or question. No, so no. You need to Don't back you off. do that. Don't <laughs> no, no. I know what you're trying to do. I told you if you violate the terms, we had a week it's, to your pe- punishment. Pure, Don't you? It's ten dollars every know, time. Right? The World Cup down there. I see what he's doing. It's ten dollars, right? It was that. That was agreed, and that ten dollars goes straight to Shane. Is well, that no, 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 Stephen no, no, said no. that if I if I bring up a certain thing, I then I that adds another week to me not being allowed to mention it. So. But wasn't there a, a, a monetary Yeah, there was well? $10. To, that's nothing to me. You know, I'm a network guy. Uh, you know, why do you have so much money, Nate? What, he wipes his ass how, with $10 bills. Hold on. Nate, why do you have all this extra money? Uh, we didn't give you, you a know, raise. Right. Um, I just, I, because that's how I roll. Yeah. How do you get, where do you make money? What extra job do you get this money from? I'm a network guy. A network guy doing What's what? your favorite sport? <laughs> yeah. 
no comment. What's a, what is a, your backyard painted like right now? It's, play, it's painted like a football field. And by the way, by the Did way. Did you say football? Did no, he say football? Did say football? Say football. <laughs> he didn't say football. No, listen. listen. I think I, he said football. I ordered, because uh, I ordered this field paint you know, online from Amazon, and I got yeah. my Chiefs end zones, and I got my Arrowhead. But the la- every year that they've been in the Super Bowl, I've painted the Super Bowl logo on the field. And this is how nerdy I am now. I ordered purple field paint because be, right, yeah. because the logo this year has like a purple you know the I think the the buildings are are purple in the color yeah. so I'm 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 ready to add the the Super Bowl logos to the field in my backyard make sure that your field's not too soft for the 49ers yeah. will bitch sure. about that too <laughs> make sure it's well firm. The, the field inside yeah. Allegiant last night is a yellow end zone for the Chiefs now that was the artificial turf end zone cuz they're the, the the actual grass field is outside of Allegiant right now covered by a big tarp and they're going to bring it in on uh, Thursday. Thursday night and Friday. Uh, Dave Tobe says they're going to go over there and get get their feet on the field at some point. But he I don't know, know if I have yellow paint. I had it last year. I better order some more of that. Yeah. All right, so set the stage for the rest of the day, Lebo, please. Well, I'm going to stay here. There is some Chiefs availability in the 1 o'clock hour KC time. We're going to have Clark Hunt on here with his own. we got Bobby Wick coming up at noon. What? Or not noon. That's 10. Eight my time. I don't know what the hell time what it is. We got that. About? And then uh, Seren and I are going to be tag teaming his show as he will be traveling out here, and I'll be doing some stuff. So um, that's it. Hey, if, if anyone of interest uh, walks over, I know we're going to have Jeff Chidia from NFL Network coming up, but don't don't be shy. Throw him on the headset. You know, we'll be in contact if constantly with Jake. I'm here all day. There's, for there's zero chance anyone's walking around now, though, right? Uh, not I mean. at this moment. I did. I tell you what. I saw some interesting folks in the casino playing craps at 5:45 when I walked past them. So, yeah. just starting or just in music, music to Jake's ears. So, don't know. Yeah. I'll you. send you a good picture from last night. I'll show you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Todd. We'll not not postable. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Mark Borrector. What's the score going to be? Uh, I think the Chiefs run away with this. Just because Jeff Chidias, every time he's in here, I know he's not here today, but yeah, yeah, gives yeah. me crap about picking the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs run away with this one. I'll, I'll say it's uh, 30 to uh, 30, 17. That is real close to being the exact correct answer. 30 to 17. Dangerously close. You're, you know what? You're in the right neighborhood, let me tell you that. Yeah. I mean, they... It's all good in that hood. We'll be back after this on WHP.